It's March 4, 2020. Welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we have David Miyashiro from Hawaii Kids Can, and he's joining us to tell us about the upcoming Computer Science Day at the Capitol. Then uh, we'll be joined by Iris Ikeda from DCCA and Ellen Ng from HTDC to talk about the new Digital Currency Innovation Lab. First up, if you're interested in the startup world, Blue Startups is having a Founders Mixer on Thursday, March 5th. That's tomorrow. And you can meet the uh, Blue Startups team and take the opportunity to pitch your idea, startup, or skill while networking with Hawaii's entrepreneurial community. And, of course, this takes place tomorrow between uh, 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. And this is over at Blue Startups headquarters at 55 Merchant Street, and they're on the 17th floor. So you want to check that out. And, of course, uh, now I want to welcome uh, David Miyashiro from Hawaii Kids Can, who's here to tell us about the Computer Science Day at the Capitol. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, it's great to be here. I love it. Uh, you know, frequent, they, frequent yeah, contributor, <laughs> David. You know, I mean, you guys and you have always been involved with you know computer science and and getting really the advocacy behind uh, computer science and education. And I know that uh, a couple of years ago, you know, uh, Hawaii Kids Can and Code.org, I mean, were able to pass a bill uh, to establish computer science in education, and uh, that's been going on for a couple of years now. And and you're still actively you know, basically moving the agenda for computer science and education. Yeah, um, you know, it was a it was a really fun experience working on that uh, that bill in the 2018 session. And what we found through it was that there's um, both a plethora of community partners, you know, both local and national, who want to support computer science education and see the value for our keiki, our keiki to learn these skills. Um, and then at the legislature, there are a lot of champions who. Um, also want to do their part to to grow computer science, uh, but there are folks who are still learning. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I think everybody realizes that computer science is an, uh, a very important topic, but, you know, remind us, I mean, what, what do you see happening in the future, and why is it that computer science needs to be a, a fundamental learning tool for our, our keiki? Yeah, well, I think it's no... Um, you know, especially for the listeners of this show, um, you know, it's it's not a mystery that our economy locally and globally is changing so rapidly. And really, when we think about the foundational skills that, that students have from reading and math, right, <laughs> reading, writing and arithmetic, uh, computer science is very much part of that conversation. And we don't necessarily mean it in the way that, you know, it's it's kids with hoodies sitting around and coding, but computer science is a vehicle for creativity, mm-hmm, um, for the mm-hmm. arts, right? Um, for understanding data and why people do the things that they do. Um, there's just so many applications available through computer science. Absolutely. I mean, whether it's, uh, it could be digital art or, or, you know, a lot of music is now all digital. And, exactly. you know, a lot of the folks that uh, are in the recording industry, I mean, they're using pretty complex computing to actually you know get the uh, get the uh, music out now you know in terms of your have uh, being kind of at the forefront of computer science in education and having the bill pass in 20, 2018 how have you seen the adoption of this within the DOE and, and, and you know the schools in general yeah I've seen um, the Department of Education has done a great job of really working to expand um, the connections between schools and um, local companies and professional development, um, you know, uh, organizations. So, um, actually, have our 
see us at the Capitol event, we've got some really great folks who've been at the ground floor level at, in the classrooms training um, teachers. So uh, just in terms of the national companies, we've got folks from uh, Microsoft, Apple, IBM, Code.org represented. And then locally, we've got an incredible wealth of partners out here, including Oceanit, uh, Purple Maya, uh, Stemworks, Ka'ana Solutions, uh, Wahine Processing Power. So mm-hmm. a lot of really, really exciting things happening. Now, for the uh, Computer Science Day at the Capitol, I mean, what is it that you want to achieve by being a part of that? I mean, obviously, legislators are going to come by. What do you want to convey to them? You know, computer science is, is such a broad term that encompasses so many different things. And so you know, really, we want legislators and folks who are in charge of uh, the state's budget to understand the value and really the breadth of these different programs. So, for example, we did this event for the first time last year. Um, uh, One of the areas that was a hit was uh, Microsoft's booth um, for VR and Minecraft. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. personally, it was a lot of fun to see uh, a lot of these high-powered elected officials with the uh, headset on, you know, um, you know, playing Minecraft and seeing just how engaging this stuff is, right? Again, it's an it's a way to unlock creativity and critical thinking, and so showing um, legislators that it's not again something static and kids just you know typing away by themselves, but it's a way to have fun and engage with learning. So this uh, event is taking place uh, exactly when? Yeah, so it's going to be Monday, March sixteenth. Um, from 9.30 to 11 uh, a.m. at the Capitol Building, room 309. And so this is actually the kickoff event for the legislature's Education Week. Um, They call it that because it coincides with the DOE's spring break. So this is an opportunity where a lot of students are going to be around the Capitol during the week. Um, We hope to have a bunch of students there, Mm -hmm. um, hopefully training some of our elected officials. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is an event that is open to the public and free. Now, is there anywhere on the web that people can go to to find out more about this? So we'll be posting it um, on our um, social media handle. So we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at HawaiiKidsCan.org or at Hawaii Kids Can and uh, via our website, hawaiikidscan.org. And we've seen some of our partners like STEMWorks have already started posting uh, information about this event. Okay, again, so it's uh, happening on March 16th. That's a Monday, and it's in the morning, right? 9.30? Yep. 9.30 to 11. So there's no formal program, so you can swing by at the beginning and middle. It doesn't matter. Um, stop by. We'll have coffee. We'll have pastries. Uh, it'll be a great time. Well, I'll be there for the coffee and pastries, <laughs> most definitely. Thanks, David, for joining us. Thanks, Bert. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Iris Ikeda from DCCA and Ellen Ng from HTDC. We'll talk about Digital Currency Innovation Lab. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. I am Mark Davis with the firm of Davis Levin Livingston, and we are proud to be underwriters of Hawaii Public Radio. We like to believe that we are a partner in transmitting reliable information and comprehensive analysis. Uh, Our commitment to Hawaii Public Radio is an essential part of our mission, and we take pride in our association with public radio. Hawaii Public Radio Underwriting. Your message heard here. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe, and I am happy to have Iris 
Iris Ikeda and Ellen Ng on the show. Iris is the Commissioner for Financial Institutions over at DCCA, which is the Department of Commerce and Consumer Affairs. And, of course, uh, she's traveling. She's going to join us by phone. And, of course, uh, meanwhile, Ellen is here in the studio. She's the Economic Development Specialist over at the Hawaii Technology Development Corporation, or fondly known as HTDC. Welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Hey, thank you for having me, Bert. Great. So, Iris, uh, I want to start with you and maybe kind of help us get a little level set on, uh, maybe we'll start with what is digital currency? Yeah, so thanks for hosting the show. Sure. So digital currency is it's really what we call um, uh, this currency, which is a value of money that's being used to um, buy um, goods and services from different companies or person to person. Um, you know, because of the valuation of some of the current, the digital currency, um, you know, people are buying big things, big ticket items like cars or boats or houses. So really, in, in our minds for the Division of Financial Services or DFI is that digital currency is just the value of money. It's not real paper money, like you know the um, the currency that we that um, right, right. We had to go to the bank right, and you know get cash, or, yeah. right? So uh, you know, sort of this. The first uh, uh, experience of this uh, was probably with something like Bitcoin, right? And and uh, that was something that was based on a fixed amount of Bitcoin that you could get, and as a result of that that uh, fixed amount, it, it sort of established some value, right? And, and, and that value kind of fluctuated based on, uh, I guess, typical demand. And so there, right. was, there was ways of, of maybe uh, mining Bitcoin. And then, and then at some point in time, if you, you amass a certain amount of Bitcoin, there was a, there's sort of a, a, a translation to how much Bitcoin is worth in, in actual dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So the Bitcoin, which is probably the most well-known of these digital currencies, is, you know, the, like you said, the value is based on, you know, whoever wants to buy it or whatever people think the value of that is. So it's not a fixed amount. It fluctuates several times during the day. And so, you know, as people are buying and selling this um, Bitcoin, I think they just have to be aware of where the marketplace is at a particular time. Mm-hmm, so even mm-hmm. if you wanted to sell your Bitcoin for, say, $10,000, there might not be a buyer out there who's going to give you $10,000 for that Bitcoin. Right, right. I mean, there's always the uh, the, the, the typical sort of uh, supply and demand pressures that come into establishing a price and that's why it sort of fluctuates up and down. Now there was a there was a point in time when uh it was sort of a free for all and then uh I think in in I think it was like 2017 uh there was a a, a ruling really that kind of came out of uh, your division and it it had an impact and it it, it um the one that got t- kind of the news was Coinbase and Coinbase uh saw that ruling and then decided to kind of you know Leave Hawaii. I mean, pull up and and kind of kind of leave Hawaii. Maybe give us a sense of what happened back then in 2017. Right. So in 2017, you're right. It was sort of this free for all going on. It was pretty hot um, at the time, all across the nation and really across the world. <clears throat> and what happened was Coinbase um, applied for a license um, to 
uh, be a money transmitter in Hawaii because, you know, that's how we classify not just our state, but many states classified the transmission of that value of money as money transmission. Mm-hmm. So we clar- we looked at our laws and we clarified in that ruling that you're talking about that um, our money transmission law actually covers the digital currency or cr- or cryptocurrency, so because it's a valuation of money. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was, you know, Bit, um, not Bitcoin, Coinbase decided to withdraw their application because they were going to be unable to comply with the requirements for a money transmission license. At the time they decided to withdraw their application, um, they decided to go public with that and, you know, started telling everyone that, you know, we, the division or DCCA for the state of Hawaii was against um, innovation using digital currency, using Bitcoin, you know, which was entirely not true. And, you know, in our normal course of business, we would never advertise that any company withdrew their application. Um, they certainly were not denied an application, which is what they were telling the press, that they were denied an application. They just withdrew their application from our consideration. Right, right, and then kind of went public with that. And then, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the law that you're referring to, because that was a that was kind of an old law, right? And then I think there was some effort to uh, maybe um, work with the legislators and see if there, that law could be could be modified. But I don't think there was any actual modification that that uh, was passed and, and never went into statute. Right. So. Um you know, we did, you know, after we put our guidance out there to clarify that um, digital currency or cryptocurrency was within the purview of the money transmission laws and with under our jurisdiction, I did try to um, educate the legislature to see if they would change our laws. So I have two proposals, and I still have two proposals that are sitting out there at the legislature. Mm-hmm. One is to exempt um, digital currency or cryptocurrency from the money transmission laws, like some states have done, or two, to let us um, supervise this for consumer protection. And, you know, we wanted to um, uh, fix or amend some of the laws so that these digital currency companies could comply with the requirements that we have for money transmission. And and part of your your uh, division also sort of looks at making sure that uh, you know people don't get taken advantage of. So part of the law was really kind of uh, a protective measure, right? Right. So all of the laws within DFI are the Division of Financial Institutions are really for consumer protection, and that's why we have all of these laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I had two separate proposals, right? Once mm-hmm. you exempt them, then, you know, that would be sort of the Wild West. Anybody, you know, anything would go. Or, you know, let us supervise them. And I, you know, I had some guardrails that I wanted to put up so that consumers would be protected. Yeah, no, no, that's great. So, and, you know, I, I, have, uh, I have Ellen here, and she's uh, uh, patiently waiting to, to chime in. You know, the, and from, a, from the standpoint of HTDC, and HTDC has always been kind of at the forefront of encouraging entrepreneurship, startups, and innovation. Uh, and, and, you know, from an HTD standpoint, I mean, uh, were you seeing companies interested in getting involved with cryptocurrencies or ICOs? Maybe you can explain what ICO is. 
and, and from your perspective, Ellen, I mean, what was happening on the on the sort of the ground level at the uh, startup and entrepreneurial um, scene? So actually, that's a really interesting question. Uh, you know, some of the startups that work out of the Entrepreneur Sandbox, um, that a state facility that's owned by HTDC, mm-hmm. when they heard that we were putting together kind of like a sandbox or a test environment for virtual currency issuers to come in and engage in virtual currency transactions, a lot of them actually reached out to say, hey, you know, I want to learn more. How can my startup as a fintech startup be part of this action? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they feel like, um, by you know us providing this sandbox, you know they are able to actually have an opportunity to compete and to introduce you know financial technology innovation based on the kind of products and solutions that they're building right now. Um, and I think um, on your question about ICOs, so ICOs actually stand for initial coin offerings. And from an HDDC standpoint, I think you know we see it more as um, a potential economic benefit, maybe. Um, that could arise from better legislation around virtual currencies, only because you know ICOs, you know, they can be kind of an alternative uh, for startups who want to fundraise. Mm-hmm. Um, in you know, an alternative to like the traditional venture capital model. Um, and as you know, like Hawaii doesn't really have like Hawaii startups. Um, they don't have you know a lot of access or limited access. They have limited access to funds uh, compared to like startups on the mainland. So. We feel that you know, with better, you know, with uh, through this program that we are doing in partnership with uh, the Division of Financial Institutions, um, this sandbox can help us understand, you know, how these transactions are taking place, and from this data that we collect, how can we, you know, uh, create that expertise to f- inform legislation, and then, you know, hopefully one day maybe bring ICOs into play here in Hawaii. Okay, now, um, you know, Iris, I do want to talk a little bit about your thought on on uh, actually moving in this innovation realm because it was really kind of an idea that that you had that wanted to take advantage of maybe a, a, a kind of a sandbox environment where people could experiment and, and explore. So I want to want to get back to you right after this break. We're going to have you hold that thought. We'll be right back at a short break to continue our conversation with both Iris Ikeda and Ellen Ng about digital currency. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, Haleakala Waldorf School and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Iris Ikeda from DCCA and Ellen Ng from HTDC. We're talking about digital currency and the innovation lab that's getting started up uh, in terms of uh, in 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 the uh, form of a collaboration between DCCA and HTDC. And of course, right before the break, uh, we we're kind of getting into the this innovation lab and. Iris, maybe tell us a little bit about how you came about, you know, this idea of creating this environment for kind of experimentation and and giving the opportunity for companies here to, you know, really um, take advantage of this. I mean, you know, in spite of the ruling. Right. So I think that one of the things that we do pretty well at DCCA, at least at um, the Division of Financial Institutions, is really look for innovative ways to, you know, do the things that we want to do, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I was unable to um, get legislation passed. And, you know, it might be because the legislature really doesn't understand what the digital currency is all about or, you know, what it can be used for, what could be some of the uh, consumer harm. So what I, 
I thought about was using my current uh, regulatory authority and really thinking outside the box and trying to figure out how to make this happen, you know, to allow for this digital currency transactions to take place in Hawaii. Um, you know, I look to HTDC, which, as you said, is, you know, really in the forefront of innovation. And, you know, we started that partnership talking about a year ago to see if we could somehow merge our two ideas together and, um, you know, let us invite digital currency companies to to conduct these transactions in Hawaii. You know, for a limited period of time, this is a pilot program. We are going to study them. So the companies that come in to this program will have to agree that we as GCCA can study them and see, you know, what their transactions are like, what how many people are, are using their um their services or, you know, are transacting um, in a in a given period. So we, so we really do want to study what this is all about. And I think for DFI in particular, you know, we're one of the first um, state agencies to use a lot of innovation. So we have been um, on the digital platform since 2012, since I took over as commissioner. So, you know, we take applications online. We do our exams online. Um, we use different fintech tools to help us do that. We also use artificial intelligence to help us with the application process. So, you know, I think that for us at DFI, we are, you know, embracing innovation, all of the fintech tools that we can use, and you know, this is just one of them. I think. Well, that you know, that be advantageous to the state. Well, that's great, and um, I appreciate where you're coming from because, you know, I was going to ask you the question, how come it took you so long to do this innovation lab? But I do understand why it takes so long to get anything done in, <laughs> in government because, you know, as a broadband guy, you know, I, I've, I've been spending the last two years basically accomplishing uh, not a whole lot. So I, I, I can appreciate where you're coming from. But that's great. So I, now I know why it maybe took that long because if you're trying to pass some legislation that might have – perhaps changed the law and it didn't pass, I mean, you know, you're kind of still at the same place. So having the opportunity to actually introduce this innovation lab is is a great sort of um, opportunity to maybe uh, uh, bypass a little bit of that uh, that uh, uh, regulatory or, or legislative um, um, hurdle that you have to go through and, and, and actually get still getting something done. Now, in terms of um, the actual innovation lab, Ellen, I mean, how would somebody actually participate in this? So, I mean, the uh, Digital Currency Innovation Lab, it's, um, it's a virtual program, mm-hmm. um, and companies, um, they can, you know, apply to be considered as a participant of the program. We accept applications uh, from companies starting on March 17th, um, Tuesday, and it's going to be open up until May 1st um, of this year. So they have a couple of weeks to apply. Um, as they put their applications in, uh, you know, we ask for a lot of information to determine if they have like the essential financial, technical, and also uh, expertise, as well as the capital to actually do business here in Hawaii. Because as what Iris was mentioning at the end of the day, we want to make sure that our consumers are protected while exploring innovation. Um, and at the same time, you know, uh, when when we get all this data, um, when they are when they apply to the, to the program, they actually um, agree to be monitored um, and have data shared with us so that. Um, the state can actually make better legislation with the data that we collect through this two-year program. 
So, so Iris, you know, in terms of the, the, the technical kind of platform, let's say somebody says, hey, I want to, you know, I want to uh, create an ICO and I, I uh, you know, <clears throat> maybe my company is a, a food service company, but I, I need to get some, you know, maybe some startup, uh, startup capital. Now, they, if they introduce an ICO, do they need to still have their servers and they have to have the, you know, the algorithm, the, you know, the blockchain that, you know, actually helps create the, the cryptocurrency? I mean, is, is that something that they have to build themselves and, uh, you know, how does how does sort of DCCA or, uh, you know, the Division of Financial Institutions, how do they kind of get into the middle of that, uh, that actual platform development and deployment? Right. So all of these companies will have to already have that in place um, because, you know, we're asking for certain information, like um, Ellen said, about the company itself. You know, if they've been in business for a while or even if they're a startup, we see a lot of startups. Um, but they need to have that platform already in place mm-hmm. um, in order to participate. Okay, so for for the most part, I, I mean, a lot of these things are already available. I mean, I think the the industry has gotten a fair amount of sophistication so that they can, uh, let's say, I don't know, white label somebody else's Bitcoin or, or not Bitcoin, but cryptocurrency or blockchain. Right. So I think that there, and, you know, there's, you know, a fair number of these companies already out there operating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the, you know, there are, you know, I've heard from a few companies within Hawaii also that are also exploring this. And I think this will, um, you know, give them the impetus to complete that platform um, that they're, or business model that they're looking at in order to participate in our um, two-year pilot project. Okay, I'll, yeah, I was just going to ask this. So, Ellen, you know, in terms of the, the actual pilot, uh, people will go to the website, they can sign up, and then what are some of the agreements that they have to adhere to? Um, so when they apply through the processes, you know, uh, we mentioned earlier, there are business inf- information about the business that they have to submit for um, vetting and approval. And again, that's, you know, things, for example, like financial records that, mm-hmm. you know, over the 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 last couple of years, you know, they are, whether they have a certificate of good standing. So these are a lot of basic business information that we ask for just to make sure that, you know, they are compliant with existing laws and, mm-hmm. and you know, we welcome them into the program. But at the same time, like uh, I also mentioned earlier, while they're in the program, we actually want them to be sharing data and knowledge about their transactions, like the volume of the transactions, uh, the types of transactions, and so so that we can use that data to Again, better informed legislation. Now, Iris, uh, what sorts of companies do you have in mind that might actually participate? I mean, they could be small startups. They could be big companies, right? Right. It could be, um, you know, any size company. You know, some of our existing money transmitters, um, you know, were um, transmitting some of this Bitcoin um, and Ethereum prior to, you know, our the guidance going out. And... You know, that was fine because they were able to still comply with the laws that we had. But I think now, because I'm going to allow what's called a, um, I'm going to allow this unlicensed activity to take place within the Digital Currency Innovation Lab, I think that they are current, some of our current um, money transmitters will come back and try to do this again. Because, you know, things have evolved so quickly, right? And I think that, you know, they too... These companies also have a lot more experience and, you know, they've improved their platforms or improved their business model. Well, you know, thanks. So they can offer, you know, more services. 
Iris, uh, that's that's great. And and Ellen, where can people sign up and maybe uh, get more information about the lab? So just go to our website, htdc.org slash programs. Very good. Iris Ikeda is the Commissioner for Financial Institutions over at DCCA. And Ellen Ng is the Economic Development Specialist over at HTDC. I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we will get an update on the true initiative. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find a podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. If you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR 1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Your love no